to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 1. And I guess that there'll be some that are really happy and excited to jump into this topic. And then some of you are going to be let down a little bit because we're not going to jump in really deep into this. What I want to do is I just want to scratch the surface a little bit because um, the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is, is immense. We could spend um, weeks, months, if not years on, on uh, peeling back the layers of, of the work of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do today is just give you just a, an understanding of the importance um, of uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. And the reason I bring this up is as we were going through John uh, in chapter 1, verse 33 in particular, as um, uh, John the Baptist is talking about Jesus, uh, verse 32, it says, I saw the Spirit descending on, descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Uh, don't don't uh, misunderstand that. That doesn't mean that the, the, the person of the Holy Spirit um, is a dove. That's just a symbol that is used of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he is a he. He is not an it. Uh, some people uh, refer to the, the Holy Spirit as an it. And when we refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, we kind of uh, make uh, the Holy Spirit like uh, the force, right? May the force be with you. I'm not even a, a, a Star Wars geek, but I, I know that. Don't, if you're a Star Wars geek, don't, don't get mad. just is what it is. But what I want, to, what I want us to understand is the, the, um, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is, is alive. He is um, uh, active in the life of the believer. So in here in verse 33, and the reason I wanted to talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it says, I myself did not know him. So John the Baptist is, ta- is saying, I, I didn't know him. And it's not that I didn't know like, his name, but he was saying, I didn't know the specific reason why he was sent. Because if, he, if we look at this and say, well, he just didn't know him, well, we know that that's not true because Jesus was John the Baptist's cousin. So what we, he, he's saying here is, I didn't know, like, I didn't know the specific reason he, he uh, was here, but he who sent me, he who sent him is God, God who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that's a huge part, that remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What we need to understand is throughout the Old Testament, there are multiple times when the Spirit of God comes upon an individual, and that individual can accomplish feats or tasks in which they could never do, or perform miracles in which they can never do on their own. But it was a temporary indwelling of the Spirit. So it only happened for a short period of time, and then the Spirit left. But what we have here is this um, uh, inauguration of a new age coming in, and, and it's solidified on the day of Pentecost. But what we understand is now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, when, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. You don't have to earn it as a gift, and He is with us forever. He is, the Bible tells us, is our, is our guarantee. Our seal, we are sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. All right, until the day in which Jesus comes back. And this right here is showing us that um, uh, John the Baptist is identifying Jesus and the Spirit is descending on him and remaining there. So as we we think about this and as we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to talk about what does this baptism of the Spirit mean? 
Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Same understanding, same mindset, being filled. And we're going to see, uh, or, and I'm sure that if you've done your own Bible studies, your own reading plans throughout, you've seen different times it talks about being filled with the Spirit. Um, one of the things we need to understand is as we're, we uh, jump into the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible never indicates that we must seek after baptism of the Holy Spirit because baptism of uh, the Holy Spirit um, happens when you uh, are born again. Jesus says in John chapter 3 that no, uh, no one can get into the, heaven, or into the kingdom of God, which is heaven, can never get into the kingdom of God unless he is born again meaning born from above, something that supernaturally happens, a working of God that takes you from death to life. And at that point where you go from death to life, that's when the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. Um, and if you're sitting here, and you're like, well, you know what? I've, you know, I've asked Jesus into my heart, and that's what you know, most people say. Yeah, I've asked Jesus into my heart, but I don't really have, I don't think I have the Holy Spirit inside me. Well, if that's the case, what we need to do is we need to kind of look at this and assess uh, the situation because the Bible is very clear. If the Holy Spirit is not inside of us as believers, then, you're, then we're not believers. And I don't say that to anybody in here like you should question your salvation. But, but Paul does say that to work out your salvation with fear and trembling to make sure that you know. And we can know because the Bible is very clear about that. Look at, at Romans chapter 8 with me real quick. In verse 9, it says, You, however, are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. So Paul is writing to the believers in Rome. He's writing to this church, and he's saying, You, brothers and sisters, he says that, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And he says this. Not that, he's not saying, okay, you're a believer, but maybe you're really not. He, he puts this if statement in there, this conjunction in there to, to, to give us a, a, a time and a moment of reflection. He said, all right, you're saying you're a believer. Okay, you can know, growing up in, in, in our church, it was, you can, you can know that you know that you know. I know that I know that I know. Okay, you can know for certain, I think that that's a better way to put it, for certain if um, you are a believer in Jesus Christ because the Spirit dwells in you. And it says that here. It says, um, you are not uh, of the flesh, but, of the, but in the Spirit. If, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, again, I mean, I don't, I don't say that so we can be, you know, pop out our chest and, oh, we're all Christians and, and those other people, they don't have the Spirit of God. And what I, I want us to understand is to use this as an indicator of knowing what it is and where it is that, that, that you reside eternally. Because I, I think at the end of the day, we can do all the good things. And we actually talked about this in, in the crown. And yes, I'm teaching the crown. And I'm actually having a little bit more fun in there than what I do with the guys. So, um, <laughs> ladies, if you're missing out on the crown, you're missing out. Uh, but anywho, when we're talking in there that we want to be able to know and we, we want to be able to, to, to understand what it is that, that we have. And we need to understand that, that, that um, the Spirit of God dwells in the believer. And if, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in the believer, then that individual is not a believer. And that, again, that's not something for us to boast about. That's something for us to identify. Well, you know, I don't really feel like... The Spirit of God is in me. I don't feel like, okay, 
Let, let's talk about a definition real quick. And I want to define um, baptism of the Spirit for you uh, it, it, because I, I think that it could be a, a big concept and, and a big, um, this ambiguous big thing above that, that, that's like, I want to be baptized by, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I'm just not, I don't feel that way. I just don't, I haven't had any kind of sign gifts that have talked and, and told me that I am or proven that I am. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that, I think, in the weeks to come, uh, spiritual gifts and, and how they're used and how we believe here at the church that, that uh, God still is active. And when I say God, the Holy Spirit is still active in the gifts um, we are not a cessationist group where we say um, the gifts of the, of the Spirit has ceased. We, we are continuation. We are continuous. We, we believe that the gifts of the Spirit um, still happen today. Uh, we don't abuse them, but we believe in the, the work of the Holy Spirit is still active and alive today as he was in the, the, the early church. More, more on that to come. I know that that piqued some of y'all's interest. But understand that it's, it's not the gifts that we need to, to desire. It's the presence of the Spirit in which is the focus. Because if we just desire the gifts, I want to have this gift of prophecy or speaking in tongues or healing or uh, admonishing or whatever, teaching. I want all of these gifts. But if we, if we seek after the gift and we, we neglect the gift giver, we miss the whole picture here. And I think that it's important here to, as we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we understand what this is. So I, I wrote this down, and you guys can uh, uh, follow along. It's a long definition, so I'm not going to put it up, but you, you can get the, the idea. If you want it afterwards, you can take my notes. I don't care. The baptism of the Holy Spirit may be defined as the work whereby the Spirit of God places the believer into union with Christ and... This is where the whole relationship outside of that comes in. And into union with other believers in the body of Christ at the moment of salvation. Let me read it one more time. Let, let this sink in. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and how we're going to define this, is the, the work whereby the Spirit of God places the believer into union with Christ so we got union with Christ and union with other believers in the body of Christ at the moment of salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it happens at a moment. When you the Bible says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It happens there. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And understanding that it is bringing us, the baptism is bringing us into union with Christ and into union with one another. Think about that for a second. When we confess and we put our trust in Christ, we are going into union with him. What, 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 is that, what does that mean? I don't think that that's something that, that we really, a word that we use a lot today. We might, we might use it in, in uh, regards to marriage, the marriage union. It's taking us and, and I, I like to think of it like this. It's taking us and we're hiding ourselves in Christ. All right? Now, I don't say that like we're hiding ourselves in Christ, that we don't have to face the world. But no, but the Bible tells us that we're hidden in Christ, that our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. So at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's that time when we are then covered because uh, the word baptism, just like what we do when we um, dunk in the tank here, um, the, the word baptism um, in, in the original means there to immerse. 
Baptismo means to immerse in. So when we're talking about being filled, or we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about being immersed in the Holy Spirit. Or if we're talking about physical water baptism, we're talking about being immersed in the water. So, so don't, don't make it things like more difficult than they need to be. But what we need to do is we need to understand how, how this uh, really plays into um, our, our individual lives and then those around us that, that, that have been brought together in what we call the body. Um, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 with me real quick. Because this is kind of like the central verse when talking about um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, th- this is the, one of the chapters that we'll be revisiting when we look at the spiritual gifts. Um, so if you want to, you know, get all froggy and, and leap ahead, that, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses uh, 12 and 13, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's saying, okay, when, we, when you come together, us, we're talking about the body here. He's talking to the church in Corinth. It's just like a church like ours, much like ours. It's kind of rebellious. Um, are we alive? Yes. Come on. When, when we talk about the ghost, you got to actually, actually live like you have the ghost in you, right? <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yeah, the ghost, the Holy Ghost. I mean, that when, growing up, that was how we referred to him as the Holy Ghost. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. That, that's Baptist roots there. We, we live? Yeah, all right, good, 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 good. All right, so verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is a, a clear indication here of when we're baptized into one body, we're baptized um, uh, through the, the work of the Holy Spirit, and when we're baptized into one body, we are now in union with Christ, and not only in union with Christ, but in union with one another. How, how does this affect? How does this affect our relationships? Think about this for a second. If we kind of step back and just start to even nibble on what it is that we've already talked about, we can, we can see that when we, when we not only accept, but we believe that we are in union with Christ, our relationship with him is going to be different. It's not as if I have to kind of try to please him and try to do all the good things and I got to do this for him and I got to do this for him and I hope he likes what I'm doing and I hope this... No, what we need to understand is we have this seal, the guarantee that I am in union with him. And our work shouldn't be so that I can get in better standing with him. Our works and the way in which we live our life should come out of, since I am in standing with him, this is what I'm doing. You see that role reversal right there? It's our action should come as a result of our union with Christ. No one can take your union with Christ away from you. Not even you. That's the, the, the million-dollar question that I, that I get asked all the time. Well, I, know, I knew so-and-so, and they, they were a born-again believer, there, and, and then they decided they were going to go to the occult. Well, are they really, you know, are they really saved? I, I, I cannot make that decision that's between them and God, but what I can tell you, if they were, and that's a big word, if, if they were a believer in Jesus Christ, and they were sealed with the Spirit. Even their bad behavior cannot break that seal. 
Now, that is not, as Paul says, a license to sin that we can get my get-out-of-hell-free card and now I can go live however I want. That's not what is being said. What that indicates, though, is we can have confidence in that in which God has done. Like I said, I think it was last week, you don't keep you saved when you wake up in the morning. What do you mean? When you wake up in the morning, you don't decide that you are going to be um, uh, a, a Christian that morning. Now your actions, you have a decision on the way in which you act, absolutely. But the ceiling is already there. The Holy Spirit is already present, has already done the work. So he's the one who keeps you as a Christian, who keeps you as a child of God. So, therefore, since you are a child of God, and I love how Paul talks in, in Colossians 2 about this, since, therefore, you have, are, are, are a child of God, what does he say? So act like it, right? So, so walk in him. Look at, at Colossians, uh, Colossians 2 real quick. Sorry, Mike, I didn't put this one in the notes. Colossians 2.6, I believe is what the, the text is says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So understanding that since you're sealed with the Spirit, sensuous, I love that. Shannon and I used to go on and on and on, and that was a little a, a fun joke in our, in, our, uh, in our house. And it was like, since you was up, will you get me a sandwich? Since you was up, will you do this? Or since you was, you know, same thing here. Sensuous, since you, you, you've received Christ Jesus, act like it. Walk in him. Well, I can't. Yes, you can. Well, you don't know my struggles. You're right. Maybe I don't know your struggles. But if you're a child of God, I know the spirit that resides inside you. And that, that same spirit in, in Romans 8, the same spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, is the same spirit that lives in us. The, 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 the can and then it will over, overcome those obstacles, those things, those roadblocks, those issues. And I know that's our, 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 our word. I got issues. Yeah, we all got issues. Some issues are bigger than others. They're kind of like other things. Fill in the blank. Our issues, some are big, some are small, but that doesn't matter. It's the same God that deals with the little issues as he does the big issues. I think death is, is a big issue, right? He overcame that, right? I think that he can deal with anything you got, anything that I've got. The question is, am I, am I going to, am I, do I believe, in, and, I, and I wrote this down here, and, and, and just, just think about this. What if we lived with a belief that the Holy Spirit does, in fact, live within us? Just, just let that, that, that sink in for a second. How would things be different then? So if you actually lived with the belief, not just had a belief, because I think that a lot of us, we, we have this belief, but then when, when, when the, 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 the hard part comes, we kind of like loosen up on this belief, and we try to, to do more self, and we, we're, we're not, we're not um, trusting that God is doing, going to do what he says he's going to do. What if we lived... What if, what, if, what, if, what if we did? What if we lived with a belief that the Holy Spirit does, in fact, live inside you? And I was talking with, with, with uh, um, Jake and, and Kurt just right before service, and I, I, I said this. And, and Jake did say something really smart, believe it or not. Uh, so give him an attaboy. No, he, he, he says some good things all the time, but he just, I don't know. But 
What it is, is he says, you know what? I think that people have it here in our heads, but it's not here in our hearts. I think there's a lot of, yes, I believe, and I know, because the Bible says you know, that, that the Spirit of God dwells in me, but it hasn't taken root inside of the heart. Because when it takes root inside of the heart, that's where actions come from then. When, when, we, when, we, we, when we don't act out that in which we believe, how in the world, how in the world... Are we going to expect God to bless our actions then? If we're saying, oh, I believe in God, I trust in God, and then we're like, but I've got to do X, Y, Z, and I've got to... Well, here, here's what I'm, I am saying, I will say. Do we have responsibility? Absolutely. Are we to sit on our hands and do nothing? No, not at all. But we are to be patiently waiting. That's what the Bible tells us. That's an active waiting. What does that mean? That means that we are to operate in the gifting and the ability and the opportunities in which God has given us. Operate inside them, trusting that God is going to do his work. How does he do his work? I, I, I love the, the, the understanding that God um, uh, speaks through his word to his people for his glory. And how is he going to do his work? He's going to do his work by his will, however he decides to. Could that be a, a, a huge miracle? Yes, I, I, very much so it could be. Could it be just a little bit of faithfulness that somebody does behind a closed door that no one ever sees? It, it could be. It's not up to us to measure what, what, what the magnitude, the impact of all of that. It's up to us to understand and to believe and to, um, to, to, to live out this I have the Holy Spirit. I have the eternal creator of the world residing inside of me. When someone says, and most of it's the self-help gurus, says, well, you just got to dig deep inside yourself. Yes, but. Yes, you've got to dig deep inside yourself only if it's Jesus who's on the inside. Now, do you have it in yourself, within yourself, to accomplish some of those issues that you have? No. But the Holy Spirit residing inside you does. Sometimes we, we need to dig deep inside because what we have done is we have um, uh, quenched the Spirit. And that's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. tells us not to quench the Spirit. And what that means is we, 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 we have pushed him aside. He, he's inside of us, but we've pushed him so far into the corner that he's all crammed up in the corner. Yes, you, you have, he, he resides inside you, but you have cluttered your life and your heart so much that he ain't got no wiggle room. He's just jam-packed over here in the corner, just maxing and relaxing, just, just kicking it. Letting you do what you want to do. Why does God do that? I don't know. Maybe to show us how stupid we are sometimes. God's like, you really want that? Okay, there it is. You don't know what you're getting yourself into, right? But what we need to do, we need to release or free the Spirit as if he needs our help. He doesn't need our help, but he chooses to work in us that way. We've been baptized by the Spirit, but there are times that what we need to do is we need to get rid of all this clutter, all this junk that's going on in our lives. Why? So that the Spirit can have free reign in our life. 
So we can understand that the, 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 um, the things in which we are doing, that the possibilities in which we have is because of the spirit that dwells inside of us. As I'm thinking here, I'm just trying to think. Like I could, I could have a, uh, a prize Brahma bull. Right? We, were t- we had country music, so might as well go there. A big prize Brahma bull that, that is, um, you know, is, is a, a show quality bull and is unwritable. And, and, and I mean, is the, 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 no one's won eight seconds on, on this bull. But if I take that bull and I pin it up into a small little pasture out on, on, the, on you know, in the, the field there and don't let him roam and do his thing, how effective is he going to be? Anybody? Anybody know more bulls than I do? Everybody should. Because I don't know anything about bulls. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that, that what, we, what we are doing, though, is what we do is we push the spirit to, to the side. We push the ghost into the corner because the ghost scares us, right? When, even, even when I say that, I see some looks on your face like, I don't know how I'm supposed to react to that. The Holy Ghost, like, it, he's not Casper, right? It, don't, don't think like, like that. Not a friendly ghost. Is he friendly? Yes, absolutely. He's loving, but not Casper the friendly ghost. But understand that what we have a tendency to do is we push him away instead of just letting him reign and, and, and totally immerse our whole lives. What I wanted to get into, that was all an introduction, by the way. What I wanted to get into, and it's just, I want to give you, you know, I'm talking about all this, and our big focus has been relationships. I want to give you an example from Scripture that um, the Spirit, how the Spirit worked in, in these people's lives uh, to break down a, a barrier that no one else could break down, but a, a barrier that only God could overcome. Turn with me to, to Acts chapter 10. Oh, I got a little bit of time. I can, I can do this. I'll talk fast. Because I, I believe that, that we can sit here and we can, we can say and we can think, oh, I want to uh, have deeper relationships. I want to, my relationship with God to be better, my relationship with others to be better. To be better. Uh, I, I, I want this, and, and, and I, I believe that. But I know that you cannot do that on your own because you're not designed to do that on your own. Especially those who have confessed Christ as Lord, we have to understand that we have to rely on the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us in those areas. He not only reminds us, and He not only empowers us, He gives us the, 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 this ability, He gives us the, the realization of sustaining eternal relationships. Look, look at uh, um, Acts chapter 10. Let's do this. because I want to I get through this. because I, I, I think you need the whole context here. I, it says there, it, it, the, 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 the title or the subheading of this is uh, Peter and Cornelius. So Peter's a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. Very, 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 very important. Okay? So at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Right off the bat, what we cannot already assume is he's a Christian. He's a God-fearer. 
So remember, this is a time where there were, there were um, those Gentiles that they believed in Yahweh, but they weren't Jews. Not, not to confuse you, but just, just, just hear me out on this. So in about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he, and he started, I'm sorry, he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, a lot of guys named Simon, whose house is by the sea. No seashells. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and, and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right. There's part of it. Next part. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop in about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while, he was, while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, he had that look on his face like, hmm, right? While, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision uh, that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made an inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out at called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them, into, to, them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him, and on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter, Peter entered, Cornelius met him, found, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayers have, have been, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask 
For Simon, who is called Peter, he is lodging at the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So I think we, we got this picture, right? Peter, uh, or Cornelius was given a vision to get Peter. Peter was given a vision. Uh, this big sheet came down and there was things on that, that uh, animal-wise that were uh, considered unclean. And he's like, no, I can't eat of them. I've never done that before. I'm a good Jewish guy. Uh, I'm not going to sin against God. And God says, don't call unclean that in which I'm calling clean. And then the, 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 um, the guys from uh, Cornelius come and, and say, hey, you got to come with us. And Peter, on, without hesitation, it says, goes with them. So we, we see that this interaction, there's a Jewish guy and there's some Gentiles and there's this interaction. And, and he even says here, you know how unlawful it is for me to even be here. You know, I, I can get in a lot of trouble for, for, for what's going on right here. Look at verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. That's huge. But in every nation... Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of, the peace, of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. I love that little parenthetical statement in there. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, just talked about that, and the, the, the Spirit came down and dwelled on, on him. It remained on him. Lost my space. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the, appoint, is the one appointed by God to, judge the, of the living, to be a judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in his name, everyone who believes in his name, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter goes on and just pr and proclaims the gospel to these Gentiles. He, he, he proclaims the, the, this good news and understanding that, you know what, he could get in trouble for what it is that he's doing here. And, and I, I love this response, and this is really where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in, and this is where we're going to get our life application moment or whatever you want to call it, this, this um, uh, practical application here. Verse 44 says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Don't overlook that. This is what we're talking about, that the Holy Spirit fell on them. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit. But what was the cause of that? Anybody? They heard the word. They heard the word. So understand when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we're talking about God working, God works through his word. It says that, that, that all who received the word or heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. 
For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Here we see that where it says that the Spirit fell upon them, and then it goes into that they were speaking in tongues. And I told you that we would talk about um, the, the spiritual gifts at a later time, not today. Uh, what we'll talk about is, is not what, what, what it looks like on the surface here. Like you get the Holy Spirit and then you speak in tongues. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tread lightly here. Just, just listen to me. Do I believe in the speaking of tongues? I, I do. But I don't believe it as the evidence, and the Bible, I believe, is very clear as the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Well, it just said that they got the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues. No, 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 no. Listen. What the context of this story is that there was Jewish people and there were Gentile people. The Gentile people spoke in different tongues. That's what Luke is identifying here. They were different than the Jewish people. But when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they became one people. So when we, we look at this, like what is the, the, the work of the, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about relationships, the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit breaks down the barriers so that people who are opposed, essentially, can be then united as one body. That's what's being communicated here, that the work of the Spirit can overcome even the most drastic of obstacles. And when we look into it and we, and we, we press harder in, into this, we can look at how the Holy Spirit can overcome those obstacles that are in your life that are prohibiting your relationships with others. Maybe it's a personal, you just got to get over yourself issue. Maybe it's not even with you. Maybe it's with them, somebody else. I don't know. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can overcome that so that who can be united. Now, you're asking me, I can see the look on your face, is that, does that apply to all relationships? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say affirmative with very high levels of confidence, yes. How does that work with an unbeliever? I don't know. But I know this, that the Spirit of God is possible to do anything and everything that is inside His will to do. So you don't need to figure out how it's all going to happen. I think we need to go back to that question about, are you living your life with the belief that God is residing inside of you? Quit trying to figure out how he does everything. How did he create the world with, the, with, his, with his, his words? Hmm? Anybody got that one? Job couldn't figure it out either, right? You, you ain't going to figure some things out, but what we can do is we can believe God to be God, and we can believe that he resides inside of us. We can believe that he works. Does that make us like pie-in-the-sky people? I don't know. That makes us people of the word, though. And it says because of the word, the spirit fell. I, I, and I'm, I don't want to get all crazy charismatic on you because I, I, I have a tendency deep downside. I'm charismatic with a seatbelt on, right? I, I love how one of the guys I listen to, he says he's a reformed charismatic. That's me. I'm a reformed charismatic. So I believe in the gifts. 
And, and I, 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 I pray for the day to see the Spirit fall in a way that stirs up the giftingness inside of these people, you people, us here, so that we respond to the Word and we live our lives in accordance with that in which God has spoken. If you want to talk about awesome, cool, wow, whatever, mind-blowing, when the people of God are doing the work of God and the creation of God, look out. There's no special effects on TV that's going to be able to compare to the power and the work of what God can do in the life and through the life of one of his children. That's what I want us to grab today. Is the spirit is alive and he's active and he wants to do in you, through you, to you, more than you can even imagine.